Today is Tuesday, April 10th, 2018, and you're listening to the official View News Podcast. I'm Greg Pollock. And I'm Adam Jar. And if you have any friends who need to start learning Vue.js, be sure to send them to our free course over on ViewMastery.com. We now have eight free lessons to get you up and running. New in the View Guide this week is an example of using programmatic event listeners. You're probably already familiar with using V on, or the shorthand, which is the at symbol for listening for events, and using dollar sign emit to trigger custom events. However, there are other methods we can use inside of a component to hook on to events. You can listen for an event using dollar sign on, call an event handler only once using dollar sign once, or stop listening using dollar sign off. Hmm, so you'd use these when you need to manually listen for events on a component instance? Right, and they can also be useful as a code organization tool. If you think this might be useful, check out the example Chris Fritz recently added to the view guide in the documentation. Starting to understand the view source code can help you gain more control and customizability as you build with view, but you might not know where to begin. Yeah, it's a lot of really complex code with a lot of references to other complex code and abstractions, so it can be real difficult. Yeah, it's a lot to parse through, but fortunately, One Minute JS put together a table of contents on Medium, which links to different articles that explore the source code by topic, such as the view object constructor function, the init mixin function, and so on. When it comes to component options, you have methods, computed, and watchers. And this week, Sarah Drasner wrote up a great article articulating the difference between these options. Ready for a pop quiz, Adam? No. Okay then, what's the difference between a method and a computed property? Uh, well, the return value from a computed property is going to be cached, and it's only updated when one of the reactive pieces of data that it relies on changes. Ding, ding, ding. And Sarah uses an example of a filtered version of a list. So when you change your search query, the list gets updated, but only when the search query is changed. What about watchers? What are those? Watchers. This is when you want to run some code when React data is changed. Right, which can be helpful when you want to make something else happen on the page, like an animation. And of course, Sarah has two beautiful animations. If you're using GraphQL, you might consider adding a framework to your stack, such as Apollo, which can give you extra features and structure. That's a query language for APIs and a runtime for fulfilling those queries with your existing data. You may consider adding a library to your stack, such as Apollo, which can give you extra features and structure. Nice. What sort of features? Well, Apollo caches queries for you by default. So if you have lots of clients querying for the same data, it'll be quicker after the first response. And Apollo has its own reactivity engine, so it knows when to invalidate the cache and then re-query. That's pretty smart. Um, but is there a way, I wonder if you can have reactivity from the server to the clients. Like if one client changes server-side data, could that change get propagated out to all the clients that are using that data? Because that would blow my mind. That's like reactivity from the top all the way down. Well, I'm about to blow your mind because it can do that. And Lachlan Miller shows you how to create a simple backend using Apollo server and then using Apollo client and display data from the GraphQL backend. He even shows you how to integrate it with Vuex. We mentioned in previous podcasts that Vue CLI 3 is on the horizon, which brings some great functionality. And this week, Obiseki Nosa wrote up a great article summarizing some of the six hottest features. I love the new Vue serve command. It allows you to easily prototype a single file view component. Yeah, that's nice. The ability to do zero config rapid prototyping. That's one killer feature. Also, when you start a new project, you now use a plugin-based architecture. 
Before, it was a template-based architecture. Which makes it super easy to decide which plugins you want in your base application, and also easy to go back and install additional ones even after the fact. You can also create your own custom plugins. So if you maintain a library to use with Vue, then creating a custom plugin would make it easy for a developer to install your library just using the CLI. That's the idea. Vue CLI also allows you to add Vuex to your project, just like you could use Vue Router in the previous version, and there's now official support for bootstrapping TypeScript. If you weren't able to make ViewConf a couple weeks ago in New Orleans, John Bintz wrote a blog about his experience, about his favorite talks, and his takeaways. What do you like about the conference? Well, he enjoyed the variety of topics covered, everything from view internals to test-driven development and server-side rendering. And of course, there was the parade that happened. And you can check out his article to get a feel for what the conference was like and maybe to see if you want to attend next year's. There better be a parade every year. I'm just going to feel ripped off. Right. (laughs) If you'd like to watch the talks from this year's conference, they will be up free at viewmastery.com very soon. If you're already familiar with both render props and scope slots, this week Dylan Chanis wrote up a long article walking through using these two techniques for eliminating code duplication. Render props is a way to send a render function as a prop into another component, allowing you to pass in information on how to render the template. Right, and scope slots allows you to kind of do the same thing in a more view-like way. So if I'm going to learn render props or scope slots, I should probably just learn scope slots. Yeah, scope slots allows you to customize the way a component's template gets rendered from the parent component. Same thing, but it's more view-like. Okay, I'm having trouble visualizing that. Yeah, it is hard to visualize. Um, Dylan had an app where he listed out a lot of data with the ability to filter and delete items from the list. So picture that, like multiple places in your app that are listing stuff, filtering it, and deleting items. So you've got this duplicate code going on, but they're all displayed differently. So scope slots give you the ability to pass in how you want the data displayed while maintaining the same filter and delete functionality. That's the idea. See Dylan's blog post if you want to get lost in his code. Thanks for listening to the official View News Podcast. Join us every week to stay up to date with everything happening in the View community.